Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, July 16th, and this is episode number 60. I'm your host, Rod Bloom, and joining me today is a great Browns fan, Mark Hergy. Mark, how are things going for you? Going good, Rod. How are you? Uh, just just fine. Can't complain. Uh, also uh, with, with us is my brother, Jeff. Jeff, how are things going? Doing good, Rod. Good, good. Well, we're not going to mess around, guys. We're just going to jump right into our Blitz beverages, and then we're going to do some uh, to talk about a couple of Browns topics. So, um, Mark, we like to let our uh, guests go first. I understand you're drinking something tonight, so why don't you share that with everybody who's listening? Yeah, so uh, tonight I'm actually drinking a local brewery up here in Cleveland, uh, Fatheads Brewery. And I am going with the Bumbleberry tonight, a little fruit-infused uh, ale we got going. It's a honey blueberry ale. Very nice. Yeah, I've I've had that, but it's been a it's been a while. So what's the uh, what's the? I mean, what's what's the uh, the the strongest flavor in that? Is it the blueberry, or what? Yeah, yeah, definitely the blueberry. Um, it has a nice like crisp crispness to it. Um, but the blueberry definitely stands out compared to anything else in it. Nice. So Jeff, what's your thoughts on the, on the bumbleberry? Um, you know, it sounds like any other snobby beer to me. Um, (laughs) I I can't, can't, can't say I've ever had it. All right. I thought you might say something about the fruit and beer law or something like that, but that's all right. Well, you know, that, 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 that goes without saying. I mean, that's always been my unwritten rules that you don't mix fruit and beer. Yeah, the, you know what? Some uh, some breweries are doing a pretty good job of it now. So I've kind of I've changed my stance a little bit after I've right. tried some of these some of these newer beers. You know, going back to the days of the the lime and the Corona and stuff, it was a little bit different back then. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty simple man when it comes to his beer, so. Um, I've I've tried some some different things and I, I like an IPA and I you know I'll, I'll have an occasional stout but um, you know for me it's just something about one degree from freezing and I'm happy um, yeah. but I think as as you know and as probably most of your listeners know by now I'm, I'm actually more of a wine drinker than a beer drinker now mm-hmm. at this point in my life um, so tonight. We had a bottle. Um, it was actually a gift um, from someone who came out to the house. Um, this is a California blend. Um, and when I say blend, I'm probably understating it a little bit. It's called Seven Moons Dark Side Red Blend. Uh, this is a California concoction of seven different varietals, uh, mm-hmm. thus the name Seven Moons. Um uh, to be honest, I mean, it, 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 it was very unique. Um, I probably would not buy it again. Uh, just to my taste, it was a little bit too much going on. Um, but as I mentioned, um, I started this bottle long before you told me we were going to record tonight. So I hope I can make it through <laughs> the, the hour. Um, You'll be fine. I'll do You'll the, be fine. I'll do the best I can. <laughs> You know what? If I if I can drink a like a nine percent pint during one of these recordings, I think I think it'd be okay. And I'm not doing that tonight, but um, but yeah, I have. So <laughs> I think you'll be okay. So so when when that many different kinds of wine are mixed together, does does it come out to be something very complex, or does it come out to be something that's the just like an average person who likes wine might might like better because it's kind of more subdued overall it's it's you know I, I for me it's just it kind of all gets lost you know when you when you put that many different things together um i mean just picture any mixed drink you know i mean just throw a whole bunch of things in a glass and pretty soon you can't really taste anything in it you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean I, i'm just I'm like more wine. of a purist yeah, it's it's just a red wine. It's like a it's like a red table wine, you know, that you really can't mm-hmm. identify as anything specific. 
Right. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Jeff, I knew I was going to be recording with you tonight, so I thought I would go for a uh, a New Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA tonight. I don't mm. drink these very often. I know. I know how you hate IPAs. I, I don't really hate them. I'm just really not used to them that much. I just really haven't grown to to enjoy them as much. But and New New Belgium does a good job with all their beers. And this this IPA, I can taste the bitterness, but it's not it's not too strong. It's not offensive to me. So it's and you know I'm enjoying it. It tastes good, and yeah. I think this is probably the kind of IPA I need to get started on and kind of work my way into them. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, so it's I mean it's, it's a good pick. I've I've had a few of these before, but just don't drink them regularly. Did I ever tell you the story about the first time I had an IPA? I don't think so. So as you know, I used to travel pretty extensively for business. Um mm-hmm. and uh one evening I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um Minneapolis Anybody who's been there knows about how the, the city is really well connected via um, bridges and tunnels and so forth. So you can kind of cover the whole city uh, without ever having to go outside. Um, so I just decided one night to start exploring their their city. Um, and I ended up at this little uh, microbrewery kind of near Target Field. Um, and the, the arena is in the same area. Um, so I sat down at the bar at this little place and I ordered dinner and ordered beer and stuff. And, um, I just kind of struck up a conversation with the guy sitting next to me. Um, and he said, what are you drinking? And I said, well, you know, this Bud Light or whatever it was, he goes, well, you need to try some of their, their house stuff. He goes, try this IPA. I said, well, I've never really had IPAs before. And he goes, well, you'll really like this. He ordered me one. And I said, wow, you know, that, that's really good. And we, we talked for the rest of the night. Well, turns out he was um, he was there for two or three nights. Um, he was the stage manager for Nora Jones, who was performing at uh, the arena hmm. that over those couple nights. And he, one of these guys, just like me, travels the world. He was, he was out all the time you know, eating by himself a lot, you know? Um, so we just kind of chatted through the night and, and that was the first time I ever had an IPA. And I thought, man, I really like that, you know? So typically when I go someplace now and, and I'm going to try a beer, I'll try an IPA just because of that experience. And, and I never thought about it being a, you know, something you kind of had to grow into or anything like that. It's just, you know, I, I thought it was kind of a neat, neat taste, you know? Um, and I've had a whole bunch of them since, and it's kind of become, if I, if I'm going to order something, um, at a microbrew, that's probably what I'm going to try first. Well, I mean, you know, everybody has different palates, so, um, you know, I mean, that's, mm. there's so many different beers out there. That's, that's uh, the beauty of, of beauty of it right now is, is, uh, you can find something for your, for your taste and, and there's certainly no end to to the different beers you can try so uh, th- thanks for sharing that story so um maybe i'll maybe i'll just keep working on the ipas <laughs> there you go so we're, we're going to get back to our guest mark uh first of all you guys can follow mark at 20 marmaduke right mark yes sir on twitter and We'd like to give you a chance to just kind of talk about your journey as a Browns fan. So whatever you'd like to share, you know, just, uh, you know, either memories or, you know, how you got to be a Browns fan or, or favorite players, anything like that. Just, uh, you know, just a little bit about you and, and your life as a Browns fan. Yeah. So actually I started out ever since I could remember uh, watching football, um, started out watching Notre Dame on Saturdays with my grandpa and then watching the Browns on Sundays with him, you know, uh, growing up sitting on the living room floor, eating um, redskin Spanish peanuts with him. (laughs) It was one of those things that uh, my mom is one of 12 kids and um, she's a huge Browns fan as well. So like we would go over there and watch games with him. And it was just one of those things that like my love of it. Um, one of my first like real memories of the Browns was when they moved. And I remember when they moved away, 
I laid on the floor crying um, and um, my mom crying, trying to tell me that I was going to be okay. But I seeing the sadness in her eyes, you know, it's, it's one of those things that no, it's not going to be okay. But when they did finally come back, um, the very first football Jersey I ever owned was Tim couch. And I think as of now I've owned seven different Browns quarterbacks jerseys. Cause I always think that one's going to be the one, you know, and um, I have not bought a Baker Mayfield jersey yet, just because I'm not quite sold on it. I, I feel like I've learned my lesson, but we'll see how this year goes, and I may end up buying one. But it's just it's been in my blood, and uh, living up in Cleveland now, it's one of those things that I feel like I have to be a Browns fan now, you know. So yeah, I mean it's in your blood, but I understand about the jerseys. We've all been. Uh... Maybe even not with with uh, jerseys, but just in one way or another, we've we've all been burned by falling in love with players and and you know thinking they were going to be around, and then next thing you know, you know they're they're just gone. And yeah, starting over. Definitely, I mean it burned me bad uh, being a big Notre Dame fan as well too. Drafting Brady Quinn and Deshaun Kaiser, I thinking, hey, both are the answer, and like how great would it be? Like my, two of my favorite players in college are the answer to my pro teams needs and yet we fall flat on our face <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah yeah it's tough but uh yeah i mean i think uh a lot of people a lot of people i think are like yourself they just uh, you grew up in in cleveland and it's in your blood so it's it's just not going to change exactly exactly so so let's let's uh let's get into some browns talk uh the big news is the extension for Miles Garrett. So he signs a five-year deal for a hundred and I wrote down twenty-five million. Yeah, a hundred and twenty-five million. Uh, that starts in twenty twenty-one. So, so he's uh, so he's got one year left on his current deal, and then the new deal kicks in. So, I guess just wanted to get a reaction from both you guys on on the just on the deal and the size of it and, and what your thought is about having miles here for another six years. So Mark, why don't you lead off on that? I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, um, I think it's definitely well-deserved. He's definitely earned it. He's shown his worth. And um, I honestly think he's our best player and our most important player right now. And I mean, when you have guys like that, you have to pay them and, He's definitely earned it. I know there's um, a lot of people out there that are critics of him, uh, some of the behavioral issues that he's had, things like that. But I think with his play on the field, that triumphs anything that he may have done, and he's definitely earned this deal. Um, It's one of those things that I'm glad we signed him to this extension when we did because looking at it going forward, uh, unfortunately – Um, I think that with the Mahomes deal just coming out, I think you're going to see deals skyrocket, uh, especially when Joey Bosa signs his deal. I'm glad that we got him extended way before Joey Bosa signed a deal because it would make it that much more difficult on the Browns. Yeah, yeah. So um, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I think Mark's absolutely right. Uh, Can you imagine if... Garrett had not been suspended last year and had finished out the season at the pace that he was on, um, what that, what this contract would have looked like. Um, yeah, he, he would all, have probably set the sack record for the Browns. Right. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we're almost numb at this point to the dollars in these contracts for professional athletes where, you know, the, the millions are just so big that nobody can really wrap their head around it anymore. You know I mean? I remember back when it was Alex Rodriguez signed a 10 year, hundred million dollar contract with the Texas Rangers. And it was the first guy that had ever signed, you know, that big a deal. Um, and everybody said, well, this is going to ruin professional sports, yada, yada, yada. Um, and the re- reality is they always seem big when they happen, but then, you know, a couple of years into the contract, you start looking at it like a value. 
And right. as long as Garrett stays healthy, which there's no reason he shouldn't, um, you're going to three or four years into this, you're going to think, wow, you know, we are very fortunate to have this guy tied up long term at what will by then be a pretty team friendly contract. Yeah, that's that's my thought, too, is the money looks big. Hey, the money looks fair, but the money looks big. But but yeah, the, the salary cap goes up, the uh, salaries go up, uh, the money the league makes goes up constantly. So I think I think uh, that the deal looks better and better, and you have him for you know, for six years. I mean, um, I don't have his age in front of me right now. What what is Miles right now? About um, he's, 20, he's twenty four. Twenty four. I was going to say twenty four or twenty five. So yeah, I mean he's you know got him uh, prime of his career up until he's. Until he's thirty, I mean, there's no reason to think he's, you know, um, even done it, you know, at, at that point. So, um, well, that, and, that, and that's the prime. Beyond that, yeah, absolutely. I would say this is one of the things that you and I have talked about for the last several years is taking guys um, who you draft and getting them through those prime years of their career. Um, is something that we've not had much success at all in doing. Uh, I think he's the first guy, um, how many years, that um, has signed uh, an extension to his rookie deal in Cleveland. Um, Remember who the last guy was, you know, but um, we need more of that. There's not been many guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we need more of that. We need we need guys playing here through those prime years at a high level. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad to see that that they were able to do this. And I hope they can do it with more guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, Joel Batonio and, and, you know, um, I don't even know who else. <laughs> I can't even think of anybody else. Uh, Joe uh, Hayden. I mean, he's yeah, Joe but, Hayden did. Um, maybe but we like, got- maybe. Kirksey, um, you know, some of those guys were here past their rookie deal, right? But, right. Uh, but not not many guys. They weren't here too long after that rookie deal either. I mean, would they make it a couple years past it? And then with the regime change, it kind of, they got phased out and they wanted to go younger and bring their own guys in. So I think um, that's one thing that uh, talks big about uh, this regime and what Andrew Barry thinks of Miles Garrett is that, um, I mean, yes, Andrew Barry didn't draft him, but it's one of those things that it definitely does say that his production is so well for the Browns that this new regime is willing to pay him that record-setting contract. Yeah, this this one's a no-brainer. You know, I mean, there there were stories about how, you know, who the Browns passed on um, to draft Miles Garrett, coming out of college, he was the consensus best player in the country. Um, he is still the probably in the top two or three um, in the NFL um, at the at the pass rush position. Um, yeah. it, it's just this is a, a no brainer to to pay this guy. Yeah, I agree. Anybody that's going to go back and you know say the browns should have taken mahomes you know they just didn't watch the draft they just don't know what was happening that's ridiculous that time because uh you know <laughs> they're um, lying to themselves with that one yeah because he was what the third quarterback taken is that right right third uh, right or fourth something like that yeah third or fourth so um yeah i mean miles was he, he was the guy and yeah he deserves it and uh, it, it's a good deal for the Browns. It's, it's a good deal for Miles. So just real quick, guys, what does what does this do, or what do you think the focus is on the defensive line going forward with, um, with some of the new signings, with Olivier Vernon probably being gone after this season? Do you think? Do you think since they've signed Miles, do you think there's going to be a concerted effort to make sure that they always have guys around him so that he can be at his best? Hey, folks! If you haven't checked out tshirthooligan.com, make sure you do to see all their newest designs. They've been around for two years now. You can also find them on Twitter 
at Hooligan T-Shirt. Make sure you're following them on Twitter as well as this podcast and me at B to be eligible for the free t-shirt giveaway in July. Send me a DM on Twitter or email me at rod.bloom at gmail.com. We're going to do a drawing at the end of the month for a free t-shirt. Now back to the action. I definitely think so. Um, I think the big focus next year, um, whether it's free agency or the draft in um, I think it's getting another defensive end, um, top-tier defensive end to go on the other side of him. But um, another one is making sure that his best friend is still there in Larry Ogunjobi because, I mean, that man has been a beast for us right up the middle. And um, it'll be interesting because I know how highly Miles thinks of him. And um, with his contract coming up here soon, it's one of those things that will be a focus for us. But um, when you have Sheldon Richardson, who's getting up there a little bit in age, it's one of those things that um, do you um, focus more on the defensive end or do you try to upgrade the middle? And I, I think the focus will be on that defensive end, that other side pass rusher. Yeah, so what do you think, Jeff? I think they're going to have to find somebody young to replace Vernon probably in the draft next year. Um, I don't think you can throw dollars at the defensive line continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you got another year of uh, Vernon. I, I like how they negotiated his deal to become a little bit more club friendly. Uh, yeah. I think Richardson's under contract for a couple more years. I think, I'd be surprised if he's here for both of those. Um, I don't think his fourth year is guaranteed. Um, and there's probably a pretty low cap hit to that fourth year. Um, so I, I fully expect with, with these kinds of dollars committed to Miles Garrett that you're going to see them find less expensive options across the rest of the line. I don't really see them going all in on, you know, somebody in the mold of Jadavian Clowney to be the bookend. Um, right. I just don't think that makes sense financially for the organization with all the other talent that you have to get under contract, you know, throughout the roster. Yeah. I think you're, you're looking uh, you know, second, third round in the draft. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, your, your first round pick. Uh, if they feel they can add good quality, you know, in the second, third round, uh, you know, it, it just it obviously, guys. It depends how the defense plays, how things look, and and all that, and and what they see from some of the younger guys. You, you never know who's going to step up. You just don't know. But I I think you're right, and and you get the you get the best uh, you get the best bang for your buck out of the you know out of the guys like second third rounders like that. So um, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and so, I mean, look at our defensive coordinator that we have in Joe Woods, where he came from the 49ers, who had arguably the best defensive line this past year. Yeah, they had um, Nick Bosa, but they um, definitely um, they have a lot of depth up there, and I think that's one thing that we will focus on is those second, third round, third rounders to build that depth and have a dominant defensive line as well. Yeah, I agree. Even though the the 49ers have like. Shoot, they took another first-round defensive lineman this year. They they do nothing but draft first-round defensive linemen every single season. They have like five or six guys, so uh, it seems to work for them pretty well, though. So you yeah, really can't uh, can't argue with it. So now that Miles has his money, um, let let's concentrate mostly on guys who are going to be free agents um, after. I mean, after this season, um, who should the Browns be concentrating on next if they're going to sign somebody to an extension or a new contract now? And I believe you have the list, Mark, so why don't you throw a few names out and and uh, we'll kind of discuss a, a few of the guys who you think are probably most likely to to be, you know, to at least be in the discussion for an extension. Yeah, so uh, 
the list next year, it's a pretty extensive list of like 30 guys. But I mean, a lot of the guys, most people have never even heard of. So like the key guys that I see that, um, that could garner some attention, uh, obviously one we already talked about and Olivier Vernon free agent next year. Um, then you have, uh, Terrence Mitchell, uh, Carl Joseph, Richard Higgins, Dontrell Hilliard, Garrett Gilbert, and then the two biggest ones I see, Larry Ogunjobi and Kareem Hunt. Okay. So, so Jeff, who are you crossing off that list? of? of uh, I mean, the guys I wrote down are Vernon, Ogunjobi, Terrence Mitchell, Carl Joseph, and Kareem Hunt. Who, who do you think for sure is going to be walking after this season? Boy, yeah, crystal ball. Um, I'm, I, I've got to think that Kareem Hunt is probably going to walk. Um, I, don't, I just don't think you can have two guys the same age that need that many touches in the backfield. I mean, what a luxury if we play this year to have both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I don't see room on the roster for both of them going forward. Um, as far as Vernon goes, um, I, I think, as I just mentioned, the fact that he was open to um, sort of massaging his contract a little bit this year, um, depending on what's available in the draft and where the Browns find themselves a year from now, um, it, it leaves the door open for him to come back. Um you know, if, if they need somebody there and he has, let's say he has a good year this year and they want to bring him back on another, you know, one or two year deal. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened now, which, you know, a few months ago, I probably would have said there was no way he was going to be on the roster even this year. Um, yeah. O- Ogan Joby, I, I just, I don't know about, I mean, uh, Again, it depends on, on how some of the other young guys develop interior-wise, if they feel like they can get a, a comparable level of play out of those guys. I mean, just with interior alignment, it's just not as you know uh, much value placed on that position. So I'd, I'd kind of be surprised. I mean, as much as I like the guy, I'd, I'd be kind of surprised if they committed to him long-term um, when there are less expensive options. Um, Terrence Mitchell, I think you said, right? Um, yeah. You know, I like having the veteran in the backfield. Um, again, it kind of depends on, you know, who develops this year and how strong they think they are in the secondary. Uh, I just don't think he can ever have enough good quality cornerbacks in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd say there's, Good chance that they, you know, extend him somehow. Um, other than that, you know, I think I think it, it, there's there's a lot of a lot of questions yet to be answered about, you know, where we find ourselves next year. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It, I mean, it's it's really hard to do this now. It's just kind of it's it's a total guess, really. But I I have to agree with you on Vernon, though. I have really been thinking the whole time that Vernon's just gone after this season. You know, the same thing that I thought he was going to be, uh, that he was going to not be here this season or would be gone after the season. But I, I could see him coming back too, possibly, depending on how how he does this season, depending how the market is for him, you know, next season. So, right. so you, you never know. It, it is a possibility. But um, I, I kind of looking at the list, I kind of thought he was the least likely to come back, but that that may not be true. Um, Ogan Joby, I I just think there's a lot of factors. I think that you know it's going to depend on uh, on on Richardson and the one year deal with. I think Billups is a one year deal. Uh, we'll see if, if Jordan Elliott plays much this year at all. Uh, you, I don't think you know all those guys are not going to be back in 2021 and you just don't know which guys it's going to be. So, so right. it's hard, it's hard to say. And, Car- and Carl Joseph is playing for a contract. 
we'll see how he does. I think um, his big thing is it depends on how well uh, Delpit and Redwine develop this year. I mean, if they show that they can hold down the, the secondary and the safety positions, unfortunately, yeah, I think Carl Joseph's gone. But if not, I, I think there could be a, a deal for him to on another one-year deal for sure. Yeah, I don't know how much... Uh... I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I don't know how much play playing time Redwine's going to get this year. Yeah, I, just I, I agree know. with that. I mean, he he was really raw last year and made a lot of mistakes, and it's um, and not having a normal mini camp and training camp, uh, especially with the new defensive defense. I think he's going to struggle this year again as well. Yeah, and the and the only thing about Kareem Hunt, guys, is the fact that the Browns have supposedly been using him a lot in the slot and kind of using him more as a receiver. And the fact that he said that he wants to finish his career in Cleveland. I know talk is cheap, but if he really likes Cleveland and wants to stay close to home, I could see him staying here for that reason if he's not always just Nick Chubb's backup. So so I don't know. I, I think if, if, if I was to put money down on it, I would think, yeah, he's a lot more likely to go somewhere else and be the feature back. But you just don't know. you gotta, you got to see how things work out. I think he likes it here. I think he'd like to stay here. I think he and Nick Chubb have, have a great relationship. But sooner or later, he may he may get tired of, of – uh, you know, of not getting the carries that he thinks he should get. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely agree with that, that um, it all it takes is one team to throw a large amount of money at him because they're running, running back needy and they need somebody that can produce at a high level. Um, I, and I could see him definitely walking. And speaking of Nick Chubb, I, I put a couple of tweets out earlier this week. So, uh, first of all, let me talk about the, the, the tweet I put out. And it's really just for discussion, guys. But I said that I thought that um, that Andrew Barry should get a contract in front of Nick Chubb that was exactly the same as Derrick Henry's contract as soon as possible. And have it be effective in 2021, and, and have Nick Chubb sign this contract. Um, what do you guys think? And and Derek Henry's contract is uh, four years, uh, 50 million with some signing bonus. I think roughly half of it's guaranteed, so it's like 25 million guaranteed over over four years. Uh, I got I got a lot of likes on that tweet. I had a few people come back and say, you can't win a Super Bowl if you pay your, your running back. You can't do it. Look at the last 10 Super Bowls. None of them had a running back that was making big money. And my thought is none of them had Nick Chubb. Okay, Nick Chubb's not your average running back. And I know there are other great running backs. I also don't think that paying one guy 10 or 12 million is going to destroy the uh, destroy the payroll of an entire team versus like paying your quarterback 30 or 40 million so where do you guys stand on this what's your thoughts on Nick Chubb would you extend him would you pay a running back and and what do you think about Nick Chubb and whether you'd like to see him here long term or not Mark, we'll let you go first. I would definitely love to see him here long term. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. Get that contract down in front of him as soon as possible. Get it renegotiated as soon as possible. Because I think the market is just going to go higher. Kind of like how we talked about with Miles earlier. Um, You have some good running backs that are going to come up for contract renewal here soon. Um, I think I actually replied to your tweet and talked about how um, you have 
uh, one guy from the same draft class in Saquon Barkley that is going to get a huge contract. But you also have yeah. two other yeah. guys that come up before him in Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara that I believe are going to set the market even higher. So renegotiate well, that contract. McCaffrey's already signed. He's done his, I think. Has right? he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. Get I don't that know done. where Kamara stands. Um, I believe he still needs to renegotiate, but um, I get get that contract done as soon as possible. That way you don't have um, those guys getting even larger numbers and then um, Nick requiring even more money. Get him under uh, contract for as long as we can um, as soon as possible. Jeff, what are your thoughts? I love Nick Chubb. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him be here long term and and set the franchise record for rushing yards. I think he's completely capable of doing that, barring injury. I think from a business perspective, I see the point of the people that say, you know, you just don't make a long term big dollar commitment to a running back. Um, with that said, Nick Chubb certainly isn't going to get any cheaper. Um, as these other guys sign, it's only going to take more to, to keep him around. And I think you have to you have to commit to one of those two guys, either he or Kareem Hunt. Um, again, it's it's such a luxury to have those two guys on the roster at this point on team friendly deals. Yeah. Um, I would if if yeah if, if Nick Chubb would would sign for four years for for fifty million. Um, and it, you know, and tack it on to the end of his rookie deal, and you know, the club can um, through some combination of um, insurance and non-guaranteed money, et cetera, um, protect themselves on the back end against you know injury or you know a guy wearing down. Um, I think it's a great guy to target. Um, I am I, really interested to see how this offense operates. Um, with the tight end packages, with, you know, all of the emphasis on the run and all of the weapons that are available, um, you know, you can only throw your dollars around so many different places. You've mm-hmm. got high, you've got real expensive receivers. You've got a real expensive tight end already. Um, and you know, your offensive line is going to get even more expensive over time and you still have to pay your quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, um, I know the Browns have a lot of salary cap money available right now and everybody wants to, you know, let's go out and spend all that money right now. But, um, there's, there's just nothing that says that that money has to, or will be spent. So. No, you can't yeah, sign everybody. No, you, you, no you, can't. you can't. You can't. And that's right. that's you know we've we've seen that in, with with other clubs here in town where you know you have a roster full of great young talent, and at some point you just have to decide, you know, who can you keep and who can't you keep, you know. And, and Francisco Lindor comes to mind right away, you know. Um, right. Boy, I'd love to see him be an Indian for the rest of his career, but you know the odds of him staying here um, are pretty slim. Baseball is a totally different, you know, set of circumstances with salary caps and et cetera. Um, but I think that same basic premise applies to the Browns with, you know, being such a young team and having so much young talent um, that's, you know, sort of still developing um, and being an analytics driven organization. You know, I just, I just don't see them throwing money at every position yeah they certainly can't throw it at every position but on the other hand you have to keep you have to keep your studs and you you have to be able to figure out who those guys are who the guys are that that you can replace and who you can't replace who the guys are that can win games for you and and who the guys are that that you can replace and still be pretty darn good you know at that position and and that's where that's where it's important to have a good GM that can 
to where you can let a guy go and you have faith that the guy's going to be able to replace him with with uh, you know undrafted free agents uh, with with guys in the draft or or with the, with a with a key uh, with a key free agent signing you know that's not necessarily breaking the bank so definitely yeah i mean it's it's uh i understand i understand the argument from the people that that say you know uh, just play nick chubb for the next couple seasons or or whatever uh, some people said trade him halfway through his you know, his last season, get what you can for him. Um, I, I, I struggle with that because I think Nick Chubb, I, I just think he's uh, I just think he's a, a generational kind of guy. I just think he is. Um, yeah. and, and if you can get him at a at a fair deal, you know, it, it'd be one thing if we're talking, a you know, a seven year deal at 18 mil a year, you know, but if you can sign him to a four year deal. You know, at, at at twelve million a year, like like uh, uh, like Henry got, then I, I think it's a good deal. Yeah, and you know, like the biggest thing, like to uh, what you tweeted out, uh, the biggest argument most people had is uh, the analytics and the money ball, um, kind of like how Jeff said that um, it just doesn't fit the scheme. But I think one thing uh, everybody forgets to think about is uh, Coach Stefanski, and what does he value the most in his offense is um, having a great running back. You know, having a great running back in his system goes a long way, and I think, um, like what you said, if we can get that four-year, four years, 12 million a year, it's going to go a long way for this offense. The Vikings are going to pay Dalvin Cook. Definitely. Uh, You know, so... uh... I don't know. I expect it to happen, um, but yeah, I I think that uh, it's probably going to be Nick Chubb. Um, I think Kareem Hunt will probably not be around for long um, at some point. Guys, need a great gift idea? Or ladies, how about something for yourself? How about some handmade jewelry? Go to Skippin' Stones on either Etsy.com or GoImagine.com. Etsy.com, you can get free shipping on qualifying orders, and GoImagine.com donates 100% of their profits to charity. So just look up the shop, Skippin' Stones, ends with a Z, and place your order today. Now back to the action. So let's go a little bit further on Nick Chubb, assuming that he you know, is here either another two years or does get an extension. I also tweeted out how um, how far can he get or, or where will he end up on the Browns all-time rushing list so I I have the list in front of me I don't you guys probably do not but right now Nick right. Chubb is is 11th on the all-time rushing list with 2490 career yards he is uh, just over 300 yards behind Jamal Lewis um, and with a thousand yard season he would go all the way up to seventh on the list nestling nicely between marion motley and ernest biner and that that's with just a thousand yards um you know he had like 1400 yards last season so it from there on up it you know it it takes some bigger yardage to kind of move up the list (laughs) but but he could he could leapfrog a bunch of guys this this season so uh, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on where you think he either could end up or will end up in his so, career. So um, I um, agree with Jeff how he was talking earlier. I definitely think he could become our all-time leading rusher. So um, our all-time leading rusher, uh, Jim Brown, great Hall of Famer, you know, um, has – 12,312 career total yards. Um, and yeah. right now, Nick Chubb, out of his two seasons, is averaging uh, 1,245 yards a uh, season. So for him to do that, he would have to rush at that at nine more years. And with the generational talent like he is, I definitely think that's possible for him. Um, it's Actually, just one of those years, things. I would say, right? Eight years. Yeah, eight, nine years right in there yeah. that um, yeah. I think. I think he could definitely do that for us um, with the type of talent he is. 
Uh, it's just one of those things that, like you said, we have to be willing to pay him and keep him around, but he could definitely do that for us. I, I definitely could see that. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, guys, he's he's 11th on the Browns' all-time list, and he is right now just around 10,000 yards behind Jim Brown. <laughs> <laughs> just 10,000. <laughs> so go ahead, Jeff. Well, this is kind of like the um, Babe Ruth, um, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds, conversation not to you know keep switching sports here but um jim brown did it in nine seasons and uh his first four seasons were 12 game seasons yeah and the rest were 14 game seasons um look guys no nobody is ever going to be jim brown um oh no no i mean nick chubb can be a significant back in this league he can be a hall of fame back in this league potentially if everything goes right without being jim brown um you know nick chubb is is an impact player um he's going to be again barring injury he's going to be one of those top tier rushers when it's all said and done and he quits playing um who do we have besides Jim Brown that we can put in that category, I think, is a better question. Um, we don't have anybody that's had that kind of career staying power and consistency of performance over more than a few years. So where will he end up? Top, top two or three, if everything goes right. Um, is is definitely not unreasonable. Um, well, Leroy Kelly's number two at, at 72-74, and Leroy Kelly's certainly nothing to scoff about, you know, a Hall of Famer in his own right, uh, several right. thousand-yard seasons. Um, but, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. And, and yeah, I mean, let, let's just say that when we talk about the possibility of Nick Chubb, passing Jim Brown on this list. It certainly wouldn't mean that he would surpass him in, in greatness. I mean, it, the, the numbers work out based on Nick's average at this point that he would pass him. And, and I'm just, I'm using the round numbers that Mark did. It would take him eight more seasons. That would be 10 seasons at 16 games to be around where Jim Brown is in nine seasons at, you know, 12 and 14 game seasons. Right. So just that just puts it in perspective, guys. Uh, Nick Chubb has been a beast, you know, fourteen hundred yards last season, and that's, I mean, that, that's that's well below what Jim Brown averaged over his career in, in less games. Definitely, I mean, you think about like uh, how you said eight more seasons, and how the NFL values the the running back position nowadays. Um, it's it's hard for a running back to last eight seasons with one team, um, let alone last eight seasons in the NFL altogether because of all those guys coming in and uh, looking to take your spot and everything else. And I mean, it it it's a true testament to how good Nick Chubb is. Look at when he was coming out in the draft; he wasn't even considered the top running back from his own college team. Everybody thought Sony Michelle was the guy to have, and the guy to be and um he's just that quiet workhorse and i think it's a true testament to how well he works and everything I, let, I let think me just if, throw this ahead, stat out there real quick ron yeah go um, ahead. and it goes to the the emphasis that the nfl places on the vertical passing game versus the run okay um if you look at yards um per carry um Marion Motley leads the Browns with 5.7. He was a a fullback, okay, Um, 4,712 yards in his career. Um, He ranks number six on the list. Okay, then you drop, you go down to Bobby Mitchell, uh, 5.4 yards per carry. Jim Brown, 5.2 yards per carry and Nick Chubb at 5.1 yards per carry. Those are the only guys 
on the list to average more than five yards per carry. And the other three guys were all, you know, pre-1970. So Nick Chubb has had a great start to his career. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a challenge in today's NFL, particularly considering that he's going to be sharing some of the workload with Kareem Hunt this year and who knows going forward for him to maintain that kind of yards per carry average um, and that many touches. So, again, you know, it's, it, the measuring stick is will he be a great back? Absolutely. I, it's, it's harder in today's NFL to put up those kind of numbers. Um, I think there's a very good chance that if, you know, everything goes right, he's, he's number two on the list. I think he can rush for more than 70, 274 yards pretty easily if, if everything goes the way it's been going. Okay, that's only a few more years. Um, yeah. Yeah, the problem so, is he needs, once you get to number two, you need another 5,000 yards to become number one. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a lot. Which yeah. is insane. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's the, the dominance of Jim Brown is, is just, yeah, it, it, it's insane. It just does. Yeah, as good as 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 incredible as Leroy Kelly was, the career he had uh, to to come up five thousand yards short of Jim Brown, you you just you just think about that for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he played. Uh, Leroy Kelly played uh, nine played, years. Yeah, nine nine years. He played eighteen more games than Jim Brown. And again, that's not taking anything away from Leroy Kelly any more than we're taking anything away from Nick Chubb or anybody else on this list. Right. It's just, you know, it just shows how 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 great Jim Brown was and how regardless of what anybody else says, Jim Brown's the the greatest football player of all time. He just does. Hard to argue. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, um yeah, I, I think, I, you know, for me, I think uh, you, know, you give Nick Chubb two more years in Cleveland, you expect him to get uh, two or 3,000 more yards rushing. So, sounds like we have some company, guys. Um, so, let's, uh, let's double Nick Chubb's yards, um, which is being conservative. That, that probably puts him up to number... Uh, Probably puts him up to number four or five, you know. Probably right, right around the, uh, right, right around um, Greg Pruitt, Kevin Mack territory, um, you know, which, which would only be in a couple, couple seasons. So if he does sign any kind of extension, I, I think you're right. I think he would be, I think he'd be pushing to be number two, probably in another, you know, four or five years. I agree, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, I think uh, those were topics. I had. <laughs> anything else going on in the world of the Browns, guys? Yeah, actually, uh, one something I wanted to ask both of you about, kind of talking about with the free agents and everything. They were talking about a little bit this morning here on the radio that if Baker underperforms this year, um, could he possibly? be looking on his way out and they were talking about another free agent quarterback next year. Could you see the Browns going after Dak Prescott next year? What do you guys think about that? Go ahead, Jeff. Um, I, I don't think Dak Prescott's in the cards. Um, I think it's a little premature to be thinking about two years down the road with Baker. Um, this is an important season or, whenever we play again will be important for Baker to establish himself again um, as what everybody thought he was coming out of college or most everybody thought he was. Um, He had a a tough year last year. I don't think you determine the future of your franchise. And let's just be honest. That's what you're doing with a quarterback, with a franchise quarterback. You're determining the future of your franchise uh, based on two years of play. So um, as much as as I was not a Baker fan coming out of college, um, 
and I do still think the jury is out on him at this point. Um, I don't think it's wise to start speculating about who we can replace him with or when we should be replacing him. I think at this point we have to be all in on finding out if he can in fact be that franchise quarterback that solves our problem for the next eight or 10 years. Guys, Baker Mayfield set the rookie pass uh, touchdown passing record two years ago in what, 13 games, you know, with, with two different head coaches, he's had what, this is his what fourth head coach. He's had at least five offensive coordinators let's just let the guy play, uh, find some normalcy, uh, get used to this new system. Uh, for me, this is not a six-game evaluate Baker season. I, you know, I, For me, it's Baker has two seasons. I, Of course, if he falls on his face and looks horrible this entire season, then maybe start asking questions. But if Baker plays decent this season then he needs to be here next season. I just, Baker is the best quarterback the Browns have had in a, in a long, long time. Even based on his play last season, he was better than anybody we've had in a long, long time. Okay. Nobody's put, nobody's put back to back 20 touchdown seasons together in years. So people can complain, people can, people can say Baker stinks, that he wasn't prepared and all this. Okay, he, it, the season was completely a mess, all right? And Baker still, to me, was not completely horrible, okay? He still did some decent things, enough for me to see his potential. And we saw his potential the season before. So for me... I don't need to see perfect Baker this season. I need to see that Baker does well in this system and that it's working for him and that he's growing with it. And then I want to see him two more seasons. And if he does well in 21, then you extend him and you got your guy. I agree. He doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes this year, uh, slinging the ball all over the place, everything like that. I, he just needs to manage the game and get the ball to his playmakers and let his defense do the work. And I, I think we'll be just perfectly fine and we'll shock a lot of people. Yeah, and that's what this offense is. This is this is a run offense and 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 get the ball to to the tight ends to to Kareem Hunt and and to you know to to his receivers um, on occasion. But he's not going to be slinging the ball thirty yards down the field like he was last last year all the time. Yeah. So, so I think it's going to fit him better. So, yeah, I think he's going to do better. But even if he doesn't look perfect, I, I'm not ready to say, oh, we need another quarterback because who, who are we going to get, you guys? <laughs> We've been down this road so many times. Um, let a quarterback grow. Um, yeah. We used the number one pick on Baker. He's done some good things. You know, good quarterbacks are not great every single season. It's just they guys have up and down years, and last year was he had a lot of reasons to not be good last year. So um, let's hope that Stefanski sticks around, and let's hope that Baker can grow in this system and that it that it's the answer to kind of get everybody on the same page and to see some good things going forward. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. So, yeah. So, um, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna close shop, guys. So, so uh, let's go. Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, you have any uh, words for any words uh, in closing? Um, I, I just want to mention real quick that um, the story broke a few hours ago about the Washington Redskins organization. Um, I just want to say how. Utterly nauseous, that kind of stuff makes me. The the sense of entitlement of people. Um, if this if this pans out and and 
turns out to be um, what it sounds like right now. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just disgusted by it. And I hope that they make an example of that organization for every other business in this country, um, that you can't act like idiots and be in business. Yeah, I caught just enough of that. I didn't hear the whole story, and we don't need to go into it now. But, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely with you there. So um, let, let's hope it gets resolved properly. And, uh, Mark, what what, uh, what do you have to pass along to the, the fans of the Browns? Um, I just I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I've had a lot of fun tonight talking Browns and – anybody ever wants to talk Browns just hit me up I, I love talking football football is a big part of my life you know and um, I just hope that um, we can find a way to have a football season this year because we've seen what it's been like so far without sports and everything else and um, uh, the one thing that I've said is I like baseball I like basketball it's not been fun without them there, but without football this fall, um, you may see a lot of people go crazy, and I might be one of them. So uh, let's just pray and hope that we do get a football season this year and that um, it is what we want it to be with the Browns. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And we know that sports are not the most important thing in life, but they're kind of necessary as a diversion for us. So um, let, let's hope that they happen, you know, that football happens in some way that uh, just to kind of take our minds off, um, off of all of the other stuff that's going on, you know, at least on a, a weekly basis. Uh, so so I, I'm with you. Hopefully that'll happen. So I want to thank uh, Mark Hergie for joining us tonight. Uh, follow him at, 20 Marmaduke. Uh, you can follow Jeff at Disposer Guru, and you can find me at Clear Rod B. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>